Well, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, thank you for, for doing that. But, um, but we gotta remember that we're Catholic, and so we, we don't wanna have too much fun. Like, so here's, here's the fun, you know, and, and we, we just don't, we wanna come like maybe like right here, but never right here. So to, to always bring down the fun, uh, and, and dare I say even just kill it, uh, what we're gonna do is, is we're gonna pray. So um, right now, let, let's, uh, let's pray. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. If I had a little white box to... I'm trying, I'm trying to pray. Rude. To put my Jesus in. I take him out and and share him with my friends. And if I had a little red box to put my devil in, I take him out and smash his head! And put him back again. Do you guys want to pray that with me? Okay. Let's do this together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If I had a little white box to put my Jesus in, I'd take him out and share him with my friends. And if I had a little red box put my devil in, I'd take him out and smash his head and put him back again. Great. So now, now when you guys go home, you can uh, pray that prayer before bedtime, and uh, your parents will call the police on you. And... Um, and it'll be okay. Um, no, no, no. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You should wait till you're in adoration. And um, but but no. I I probably should have checked to see uh, the IQ level of every person here um, before I taught you prayers like that because uh, prayers like that are powerful and it really takes some some whoa something just happened to my voice. I feel like Megatron. Okay. Um, <laughs> It, it, basically, prayers like that are, are very powerful, and you just want to use them uh, just in the right way. And it takes a lot of IQ to do that. You don't want to be stupid. So I, I need you to take right now an IQ test uh, just to see who we're dealing with here, okay? Uh, that'll affect kind of the rest of the day because if the IQ level is down here, generally speaking, in the room, then we will kind of dumb things down. And uh, if you're really brilliant, then we will let you give the talk and we'll just kind of be out there. So um, I'm about here in an IQ. I, maybe, okay. Um, and so um, I'm, it's very simple. A father, I already messed up the 
<laughs> question a farmer, but I'm a father, so, and I'm telling this question, so it's okay. You're not um, a farmer, though. So. No, these hands were meant for chalices, not for calluses. Okay, so um, <laughs> a farmer had 26 sheep, one died, and how many does he have left? You're thinking way too hard about this, so obviously we are off to a bad start. Uh, we will be giving the talk as if we're giving a talk to middle schoolers uh, here today. Um, so, well, you better step it up, okay? So listen to that one more time. A father... Farmer! I think I'm nervous. Uh, you all make me nervous. Okay, a farmer! This is a farmer. Is that what a farmer does? Okay, a farmer has 26 sheep, one dies. How many does he have left? I saw, I saw your hand and your hand, 19. All right, somebody else? 25. You in the yellow. But how did yeah, he get more was, sheep? Than how many are left after one died? Oh, he's so, saying the dead body is still there. Okay, okay. Are they, dead though? Body. Are they really? Do animals even have souls? No. All right, so <laughs> all the dog lovers just wanted to storm the stage. Yes. <laughs> But no. <laughs> Listen carefully. A farmer has 26 sheep. One dies. How many does he have left? I'll give you a hint. It's whatever you say. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. I, I was just kidding. Somebody here was correct, okay? Somebody here was correct in their answers. So if you think it was 16, raise your hand. Show of hands. If you <laughs> You're either the smartest person in this room or the dumbest. <laughs> okay, well, you two could form a club. All right, um, if you think it's 19, raise your hand. Wow, guys. The club is getting bigger. <laughs> oh. um, if you think it's 25, raise your hand. All right. Nothing special about you folks. Okay. You can't raise your hand for another one besides 16. You didn't? Yeah, I thought you did. That's weird. All right. If you think it's 26, raise your hand. Oh my gosh. You gotta commit, all right? Commit like a pig in a ham sandwich. All right, listen to the question one last time. I think you're not getting it. I'm gonna say it really slow for you guys that barely made it out of middle school. Here we go. Uh, a farmer has 20 sick sheep. <laughs> One dies. How many does he have left? 
What was so hard about this? It's going to be a rough day, folks. It's going to be a rough day. All right, everybody on your feet. You're our kind of crowd. I'm not brilliant either. It's okay. We like you. So um, speaking of farmers, we're going to do uh, kind of this hoedown kind of song that uh, if you have three teeth and all of them are yellow, you'll fit right in. So um, basically this, this song goes like this. It goes, I'll become even more undignified than this. And I would turn around and, and do, is this like a lasso or something like that? Yeah. Um, or it's like when, you're, when your dad takes his belt out and he's chasing after you. Um, <laughs> so, it, like, so yeah, that, that's what you do. I'll become, oh, I messed that up already. Yeah, I'll Woo! do it. Okay, I'll thanks. become <laughs> even, even more undignified than this. And if the person next to you is not participating, when you go like this, I mean, I didn't say that. But you did. No. It's okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Here we go.
Oh, hi. So um, I, um, I, I can't stand guitar. It's like the worst instrument ever. It's worse than ukulele. So, um, and that's saying a lot. Um, <laughs> shots fired. Okay, but um, so like I had to jazz it up. Um, and so I invented this thing. It's called um, percoustics. And it basically allows me to uh, play drums and guitar at the same time. Do you want to see? You have no choice. So here we go. That song was it, and that was it. So, thank you. <laughs> You're a sick man for laughing at that. <laughs> All right, yeah, so um, <laughs> I forget what. Yeah, do you guys know the Cupid Shuffle? You, you do? All right, so if the person next to you doesn't know it, just. Um, just watch them so it'll be like the blind leading the blind. I mean, no, if the person next to you knows it and you don't, just watch them. And what we want to do is just create havoc in this place. See all these seats? It's okay to mess them up. So here we go. Yes. Yeah. 
Give us yourselves a hand. And it's, it's okay if you were a Johnny Cash fan. And that song, just weren't feeling that one. Can I actually have a, I'm gonna get that mic. Okay. Um, so next IQ test, uh, what is evangelization or evangelism? to evangelize or be evangelized? What, does anybody know what that is? Go make disciples? How do you know that they're disciples? What? 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 Sorry. I get this way. It's more of a nervous tick. Did you raise your hand? I just see people randomly raise their hand and they didn't. Their, their hand, I had my hand in my pocket. Like, <laughs> okay, what, what were you gonna say? But like I said to her and gave her a hard time with, are you ready? How do you know that they're a disciple? Everybody's made in the image and likeness of God, but that doesn't make them a disciple. How do you know that they're converted? They're baptized? There's tons of people that are baptized and, and don't go to mass or don't even... Um, do anything that looks like Mother Teresa. Like, so, so how do you know? Yes, you, sir. Yes. All I heard was something about fish. So becoming fishers of men, what do you do? Just, so if I stick a, a, a hook in a guy and, and put him in a net and say, you're coming with me, is it like that, that's what you're saying. Like that's what it means to be fishers of men. Like, so uh, uh, that's weird. You will get locked up. I tried it. All right, yeah, young lady back there. What is evangelization or to be evangelized? Let, let, we'll go, let's stick with how do you know that you are evangelized? Just say what you want to say, Okay. Evangelization is spreading the gospel, and then what was the second part? Whether they're a disciple or not. But how does somebody be evangelized? Right? So this is important, because how can we say that we are evangelizing, like, you know, which actually is the most important thing? My son told me, oh, the confirmation, my son's like nine years old, and he's like, he's like, Dad, confirmation is when the chocolate syrup pours into the milk and get stirred up. Right. And so I'm sure like all the martyrs who have been like roasted alive over a flaming fire pit and had their flesh ripped off their body because they loved Jesus and tried to spread that with other natives, I'm sure that they were thinking, oh, Hershey's, yes. Stir it up. I'm sure that's what they were thinking. So, so what, is, what is evangelism and how do you know you're evangelized? Because confirmation is not like chocolate syrup being poured into chocolate or regular milk. You don't pour chocolate syrup into chocolate milk. That would make worse, more chocolatey. 
experience. All right, so like what is evangelism? Because it's supposed to prepare you for martyrdom. Confirmation is supposed to prepare you for really martyrdom. And what would do that? Because it's the most important thing. Confirmation is supposed to prepare you to evangelize, but we don't know what that is. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, it's three things. And I bet you you know what it is like deep down in your heart. And, and maybe some of you have even experienced this. It's just that nobody with a microphone uh, standing up on a stage that hits their guitar like a drum has ever asked you, you know, what, what does that look like? And you, you've never had to, to say it with words. Evangelism is three things. The first step is it means that you've just like had this encounter with Jesus. Their thing is not as fun as what we're doing over here. Actually, it does sound pretty good. But can you turn, where did this, where Dennis go? Dennis is going to turn up our music, so we're going to outdo them later on. Evangelism means you've had this encounter with Christ, and then when you have that encounter with him, you want to like make this decision, like this huge decision, maybe the biggest decision of your life, I want to give my life to him. And that doesn't mean just like this one part of me, it means like your entire life. Everybody uh, these days is saying like, I, just give me a part of this person, I just want this part of this person. You keep that part to yourself. I don't want this part of your life in my life. I like this part of you, but you keep that to yourself. I don't want your drama. Evangelism means you've made this decision like, I give my entire self to Jesus. That's the second part. And then the third part is, are you able to say what that looks like? Can you say how you personally know that Jesus is real? That's called a testimony or a witness. And what we're going to be sharing with you this morning is, is our personal testimony. Uh, how we personally know that Jesus is real. And hopefully when we're doing that, like you're thinking about what is your story? So, so who went to Steubenville where I was there? Okay, so some of this will be a little bit repetitive for you guys, but since most of you didn't go, I'm just going to share the whole thing. So when I was between the ages of 13 and 15, I really struggled with my self-image. And one of the things that I want you to listen in this story is like, what was my life like before I encountered the Lord? What was that encounter with the Lord? And how is my life different now? Um, so between the ages of 13 and 15, I really struggled with my self-image. I really struggled with my weight. I was very overweight, bad acne, you know, braces top and bottom for not one, not two, not three, but five years long. I have enormous feet, size 12. Anybody? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Sister, not you. you that, that's not, no. Okay. Um, so I really struggled with my, I was homeschooled. Any homeschoolers in here? Okay, lots of homeschoolers. Okay, great. But I was homeschooled like in the way like I had no friends at all. Um, my mom was really sick, so we, she was in bed a lot, and we didn't get out much. We didn't do anything. We didn't have activities um, during that time frame. It wasn't until I got older that we found like a homeschool group or whatever to, to like meet people. Um, so I didn't have any friends. And this was before social media, so I didn't even have fake friends. I had zero friends. Um, my parents fought a lot, so I struggled with that. My uh, parents adopted three kids from foster care, and so three of my siblings are adopted. 
and then they had another child. So my family went from just two kids, just one of my sisters and, my, and myself, to all of a sudden six kids within just a, sh a couple years. So I felt like I'm the oldest. My parents don't care about me, they just care about the younger kids. Now that I'm a parent, we have five kids. Now that I'm a parent, like I get it, the little ones just, they physically need you more because they can't do as many things for themselves. But at the time I was like, my parents don't, couldn't care less about what I do. They just don't care about me, they just care about the, the little ones. Um, so my parent, I was struggling with feeling love for my parents, struggling with loving myself because I was just painfully shy. Has anybody ever had one of those days where you, you had a conversation with somebody, but then at night you're like, oh, why did I say that? I'm so dumb. So they're gonna think I'm such an idiot. Has anybody had those moments, those days? Okay, I had those days like every single day. So what I started to do was I started to cut I didn't even know what cutting was until I became a youth minister and so many kids were coming. Um, and you may have heard it self-harm. Um, I didn't know there was a term for that until I became a youth minister right out of college and so many kids were coming to me and telling me that they were struggling with hurting themselves. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did that. And I, I think on some level I knew that it was wrong because I kept it hidden from everybody. I didn't tell anybody, there was nobody to tell, um, but I kept it hidden. But I was like, well, I'm not hurting anybody else. It's my body. You know, I can do what I want with it. It doesn't affect anybody else. It's just me. But the more that I started to self-harm, the more that I started to think about suicide. And I went to a priest and I said, Father, you know, if somebody uh, loses their life to suicide, will they go to heaven or will they go to hell? And he said, God's mercy is very great. And I said, Father, I just need you to give me a yes or no. Like, if somebody loses their life to suicide, will they go to heaven or will they go to hell? And again, he said, God's mercy is very great. And I was mad at him for that. I went and I got out my catechism and I'm looking up suicide and I'm trying to figure out, like, will I go to hell? Because already where I was at felt like hell. I'd been praying, like, God, please, please just make me skinny by the morning. Like, you can walk on the water. You can do all these things, raise people from the dead. Like, I believed in him, but he's not answering my prayers. Or I pray, please, God, just give me one friend. Just one good friend. That's all I want. I don't need a lot of friends. I don't need to be popular. I just want one friend. Next day, no friends. Just day after day after day. Where I'm like begging God, please, I'll do anything for you. And day after day, nothing was changing. So I remember one day laying in my bed and just saying like, I hate you, God. And I ducked because I was afraid that lightning was going to hit me. I grew up in a super, you know, Catholic household in, in our early years. We knew how to pray the rosary. I knew about the saints. At this time, we weren't really going to mass very much as a family. And God let me hate him. He didn't punish me. That's the amazing thing about God who is love. He lets us hate him. Um, he lets us disbelieve in him. But, but anyway, so I was, I was starting to plan, like, how could I do this suicide? I thought nobody would care. I really thought it's not going to affect anybody. They don't even know I'm, I exist anyway. And then my mom made me go to this church thing. And probably some of you are in here because your moms made you come. Or maybe they bribed you or they're paying you to be here. Whatever. But she, anyway, she got me in the door. And I was really mad because I had to ride in a car with a bunch of kids that I didn't know. And they were all happy about Jesus. And I was like, this is super weird. And, but they were nice to me. They reached out to me. And they were like, you know, how's it going? And guys, I just want to say really quick, side note, you don't know in here what the, the people around you are struggling with, what burdens they carry. Every single person here is fighting a battle. 
every single person here is fighting a battle. So be aware of how you reach out to them, be intentional about reaching out to them, and love and friendship. Because if those kids hadn't reached out to me, I don't know if I would be standing up here. So they reached out to me and I kind of started to open up a little bit. Then we went and we heard this amazing speaker who talked about the passion of Christ. And he talked about, like he kind of reenacts it, just a one man like passion play. So he reenacts it and he's doing this scene in the agony in the garden. And he goes all the way and acts all the way through the crucifixion itself. So he's in the scene in the agony in the garden and he's praying as Jesus. And he's saying, Father, I offer you the sacrifice for all of those who don't love themselves, who don't love you, and who don't believe that you love them. And that was exactly where I was at. I didn't love myself. I didn't love God. And I didn't believe that he loved me because he wasn't answering my prayers. At least I didn't see that. And those words just pierced me. And I was like, I just started crying like, Lord, what, what is going on here? And then This guy started reenacting the rest of the story where Jesus didn't just suffer physically, which should be enough for us, that he laid it all on the cross. Like how, I mean, I stub my toe when I'm on the ground crying. He let, you know, nails go through his wrists for us. The physical pain should be enough to convict us of his love. But it wasn't just the physical pain, it was the emotional pain. And this culture, even though we have it all, We are dealing with this emotional pain. And Jesus shows us that he took it upon himself. He was lonely. If you've been lonely, he was lonely. His friends abandoned him. If you've been abandoned, he was abandoned. If you've been betrayed, he was betrayed. If you've been lied about, he was lied about. If you've been humiliated, he was humiliated. If you've been abused, he was abused. All of these things gossiped about. He was gossiped about, judged. He was judged. And he takes not just the physical pain, but the emotional pain. And then he also takes on the emotional pain of sin, even though that was not his burden to carry. It was ours. But that's not the end of the story. And that's what convicted my heart right there was like, Jesus knows the pain that I'm going through. And he's going to bring something good out of it. And for the first time, I, had a, I went to adoration. I had never been to adoration before. That's where the, the same host that we, re- receive, that we consecrate at Mass it becomes Jesus. Jesus, in the bread of life, the Eucharist, is put into this big golden display. And this big golden display, we, we, we just adore him this Jesus who transforms this little piece of bread into his body and blood. We just adore him. That was my first time going to adoration. And for the first time, I felt God loves me. And I've been told that all my life. Like, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. But this time, it was like, Jesus loves you enough to take on your pain and to transform it. Something good has come out of this. Like, he loves me enough to take the death and not let that be the end. A lot of you in here have probably lost somebody that you love. That's not the end. And we know that because our faith doesn't end with the cross. Because if our faith ended with the cross and Jesus was just hanging up there on the cross, we'd be like, that's a sad story. Man, he loved us. That's a sad story. But it's not a sad story. It's a victorious story because he rose again. So after this, my life changed. It wasn't that I all of a sudden got got you know, my braces off and, and all of those kinds of things. And it wasn't that I made a lot of friends really fast. I was still really shy, but these kids welcomed me. 
and invited me to hang out sometime. So I started to make some friends. My family didn't get better. There's a lot of crazy stuff in my family. But what changed, well, how my life changed was I knew that God loves me, and I know that even though some of the things that I'm going through are really difficult, that he's with me in that, and that he is going to claim victory over that. And that is, how, that is my story before meeting Christ, and now, you know, 20 years later, I'm sharing what he did in my life. Well, I can't relate to any of that. Um, my parents loved me. But, um, yeah, hopefully, like, in this, this conference, that if you have not encountered Christ, uh, pray for that. Like, just be like, all right, God, are you there? All right. You know, um, I don't want to like like an idiot, you know, talking to myself, like, just, Show yourself to me. And like, if you've never given your entire life to him, like just made that decision to give your life to him, why not now? Uh, and if you've never been able to articulate your story, like how you personally know that he's real, uh, hopefully when Noelle was saying what her witness is, what, how she personally knows that, that he's real, like you've been able to like just, Oh, yeah, there was that time in my life that that happened. And uh, yeah, actually, I, I got something I want to say. It's a process. Uh, for me, my process didn't start until I was 21. I grew up in a, in a Catholic uh, household, Catholic, I guess. My mom dragged me and my brother to Mass every Sunday, but my dad stayed home because like, he just wasn't into the Catholic faith. He was born and raised Catholic, but he just had a negative experience, whatever. He didn't want to be a part of it. Just, ah, you can go, do, go ahead, go do that. And, uh, and my, me and my brother went. We went to uh, all-boys Catholic high schools. Like, we, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, we were totally... Catholic, right? We did all the Catholic things, but I never really understood my faith or, or even really believed that Jesus was God. I thought he was just some guy, you know, whatever. Like, that's literally all I got to Catholic education. Uh, maybe that's just the way it is in Massachusetts. Oh, man. Um, but that was what it was like growing up 21 years of my life. And when I was 21 years old, 9-11 uh, happened. And, and, and I remember thinking, like, going home that day from school, because I remember watching the planes uh, uh, crash into the towers in college. Like, we were there watching it live in class. And I went home thinking that day, like, man, you know, who are these Muslims? I, like, I think I've heard of Islam before. Like, but what is this religion, uh, Islam, about? You know, who are these people that, like, lose their life for God? And I wanted to find out about it. So like I was like two weeks later in the bookstore and I, and I came across the Quran and I picked it up and I was like, oh, what do these Muslims believe, right? And so like, you know, I'm reading like, and the first page, it says, this book is without doubt. It's like, what the heck? I opened the Bible and it's like, Jerome Bob was the son of craney face and like you know and it's like this long list of uh uh names you know that you just can't even pronounce and it's like what this book is saying the quran is saying like this is a book without doubt all right take my money you know like so I, I, next line it says that you know it, it, it's for people that want to love and serve god and i was like here i am take me so i bought the quran and i was like reading it like every day 
And, uh, and, and like two weeks after reading it, everything is like two weeks in my life. Um, yeah, two weeks after reading this thing, I found out that I actually believe more as a Muslim does than I think I ever did as a Catholic. See, like Islam doesn't believe like Jesus is God. Boom. I'm good with that. Um, you know, like there's, there's like a lot of things. Islam believes in beards. Boom. I'm good. Yeah, let's do this. Um, <laughs> like, so two weeks later, without my parents knowing, I went and became Muslim. And it's not as hard to become Muslim. Uh, you know, it's easy to become Muslim. Like, you just get up and, and you, I want to be Muslim. <laughs> Take me. You know, like Catholic, you got to go through RCIA. Like Islam, as long as you have a beard, you're good. You're in. Like, even the women. So, like, I, I became Muslim. And, and um, I, I moved out of my Actually, I got kicked out of my house. Uh, I was living in Boston um, with other Muslims. I was dressing as a Muslim, talking like Muslim. I was learning Arabic. I was praying five times a day. Um, I lost my sense of humor because, it's, I don't know, it's just maybe it was the people that I was around, but there was a lot more seriousness. And then the biggest thing that I lost was music. I've been playing guitar, you know, since I was 10 years old, and Islam doesn't allow music. And so I just got rid of my guitar, got rid of all my equipment, and just gave it up. And I said, you know, God, like, you know, you gave me this gift, but you know what? Like, if this is what you want, I'll do anything for you. And so I just gave up that part of my life. I was three months as a Muslim, just like, I, w I was engaged at one point. Did I ever tell you about that? Uh, um, <laughs> I was engaged at one point. I was, I was living like a Muslim. And... Then I got this email one day, and the title of the e email was, Time to Plant, Time to Reap. I'll never forget that. It's my Yahoo account. I don't, I don't have that anymore. Um, and it said, basically, Muhammad is not the truth. Islam is not the way. Jesus is the truth and the life, and it's a shame that you didn't know that in the 21 years that you were Catholic. And I was like, what the... You know, I thought this was like a person that I met in like a chat room or whatever because I, I started debating like other Christians in, in chat rooms back then. Back in my day, we had AOL uh, Instant Messenger and like nobody knew who anybody was because we cared about privacy back then. And like it wasn't like Facebook. We didn't have that. And, and so like I was chatting with these Christians online and I was like debating them and I got really good at it and just, just destroying the Christian faith. And um, basically I thought it was like this person that found my email address and they wanted like round two. So I just emailed them back. You're stupid. That was my, my best response. It works every time. And like, you know, click send. And um, they, uh, they emailed me back. And then they said, no, no, no. Like Jesus is calling your soul to himself. So I got in this debate with this guy and like, it was like weeks where I was like sharing emails back and forth. And he was like, debating me on scripture. He was debating me on, on just like logic, kind of just like reasoning through, you know, Islam or Christianity. And just he beat me in every single debate that I, or argument that I had. And that did not bother me as much as every time that he emailed me, and this is what really bothered me, he would tell me something about myself that not that many people knew. Like he would start telling me things that I said when I was little. He said to, to, to me things that maybe uh, happened to me at work. Or like, better yet, he was, he was telling me things that, that were just like, nobody would know because it was stuff that, that was deep down in my heart. 
And I thought this guy was a stalker. I accused him of being a stalker, and he writes me back, and he's like, I'm not a stalker. The Holy Spirit gives me knowledge about you because Jesus Christ is calling your soul to himself. And I was like, I don't know what to believe. And I told my mom, guys, I patched things up with my, my mom. We had really, our relationship just went downhill. And I eventually patched things up with her, and I said, Mom, I don't know what's right. I don't know if Christianity is the truth or, or Islam, but I just don't want to go to hell. So I'm just going to go out to, like, a poor country and, like, just serve the poor, and maybe God will just kind of have mercy on me because I'm a moron. Can't figure it out. And so the next day I get this email from him that says, you don't have to go off to far-off places to do charity. Charity starts at home. And when I got that email, my heart cracked open. And I, I was like, I don't get it. I don't get how this is the truth. But I, I believe. And I came back to the faith. And it wasn't just like this thing where it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to give this Christianity thing a shot. Like, I was so open to it that literally, like, God just flooded in. And everything that I had, like, argued against, everything that didn't make sense before, every wound that I had in my life, he just flooded into those places and just filled with himself to the point where I just, I just devoured Christianity and eventually got involved with youth group. And it just clicked. Like, it was like I was born for this. Like, everything, like, like I just, I went to this mass one day where they had, like, a youth mass, and, like, they, they didn't have a drummer. And I was like, I play the drums, and I used to be a Muslim. Can I play for you? Like, you know, like, and they're like, yeah, we'll take you. We'll take anybody. <laughs> All right, so, you know, pat them down first. But, you know, so, so like, I, I, I got involved with youth group, and I just started, like, um, hitting the road running. I, I went to Franciscan University, got a theology degree, and eventually like, just got involved with youth group, youth, youth ministry. And I've been a youth minister for 16 years, and in those times, like, I've had encounter after encounter after encounter with our Lord. What is your story? How do you personally know that Jesus is real? And we're not all going to have the same story because, like, we all have different names. We all have different places that we come from, different hair color, different experiences. And God is dealing with you in different ways that are unique to you. So why would your story be the same as anybody else's? But how do you know Jesus is personally real? Okay, so if you can spend some time um, thinking about this, like how do you know that Jesus, if somebody asked you, if I came up to you and I said, how do you know that Jesus is real? Maybe you don't have, maybe you haven't, you know, joined Islam and grew a beard, but maybe you, you grew up Catholic and you're like, man, it's just been so instilled in my soul. You know, my family uh, had taught me well and I I've been to the sacraments, and I've, I've heard Jesus speak to me. You know, whatever that is, it might not be super dramatic. It might be very straightforward. But um, we're going to go to confession. Now, here's the thing about confession. I know it's not super fun to tell people what you've done wrong, but here's the thing. Even in any relationship, sometimes you have to say you're sorry. In any relationship. Um, I, we just had to do that this morning because he was wrong. And I was, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but in any relationship, you have to say you're sorry. So that's all confession is. Confess, confession is just, Lord, I'm sorry. Here's some things that I did. Um, Father Mike Schmitz says that priests think your sins are boring. And he said that, that priests are God's garbage men. 
And so they're just taking out the garbage and no garbage man like looks through the trash and is like, a banana peel, woo, this is great, you know, and thinks about it later. Like, no, sins are garbage. Priests are going to help you get that out of the way so you can receive God's grace. Um, Totus Tuus, guys, was somebody going to share a little bit? And then they will dismiss you. So just kind of spend a moment in quiet after, after this. So let's think about one thing real quick. When you do something wrong to like your friend, to your parents, to someone you know, and it is hard to say sorry. It's hard to, it's also hard if they don't know about it and then you have to say, hey, I did this, also I'm sorry for that. That's two things, what? So there's time, it takes time. When we do things that are wrong, it takes time for us to fix that, to fix that relationship. God has already forgiven you, and he's waiting. He is waiting with his arms open, and how excited, how lovingly he'll receive you back. We have to go. We show him that we love him by disclosing what we've done. And yeah, it's garbage. The sins are garbage. He doesn't care. He cares at your back, and he welcomes you. And even when you don't go, he still loves you, and he's still waiting for you. The, open, the invitation is always open for you, all the time. He's already forgiven us. Just take a few moments, silence, to ponder. Maybe you already know. to us if you guys could line up in the front um, next to the, the section that you're going to be helping to dismiss. But let's just do a little prayer that goes just like this. Everything I am, everything I long to be, I lay it down at your feet. Everything I Everything I long to be, I lay it down at your feet. Just sing that with me. Ready? Everything I am, everything I long to be, I lay it down at your feet. Everything. Everything I long to be, I lay it down at your feet. Why don't we just dismiss uh, this side to the right? And keep singing. Everything I am, everything.
episodes like this. 